How's everybody doing? Ooh, that's good. Well, uh, yeah. My name's Ian Somerville, for those of you who don't know me. Um, I'm one of the pastors here in Journey. And this is the first time I've been up preaching since September. Yes. <laughs> Anybody remember what I preached on? No, me neither. Uh, so it must have been great. Uh, no, actually, it was the Heaven Meets Earth series. It was, uh, I, looked, I only know that because I looked it up. Um, so, yeah, obviously, I have been keeping a low profile over the last while. Uh, really, October time, Jill and I, who's my beautiful wife, who I would point out in the front row, but she's away looking after a toddler right now. Um, right about October time, we just pulled back from everything. Uh, church, everything, we just basically battened down the hatches, and there was a good reason for that. Uh, in October, Jill and I, we'd been on a very long journey of, uh, of adoption, and of adopting a child from Thailand, and in October, we got notifications to say we were matched, so off we flew. Well, we didn't fly in October, we flew in November, it was a month of madness, of paperwork, and emotional preparation, and... Lots of, lots of busyness. And also COVID was nuts at that stage, if you think back to October. So we just battened down the hatches. We desperately didn't want to have COVID or anything that would stop us from getting out to our son. Uh, we came back in December and you're going like, well, Ian, I haven't seen you an awful lot since you came back in December. But uh, who knows that having a toddler is not easy? Uh, yeah, all those tired parents laughing there. Uh, uh, also, having an adopted toddler is not easy. And he has been as straightforward as you could possibly have hoped for or prayed for or imagined. But we've just given him a bit of time to settle into life and to settle into, into family. And he's doing really, really well. That was him shouting, Daddy, 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 at the end of worship this morning. Um, so I'm just watching to see if our number comes up on the screen. And all, all parents will know that shame. You know? <laughs> You look for your number, you think, oh, phew, it's not mine, it's fine, it's okay. So, um, well, that's a bit about you know, where I've been, and again, you will see a lot more of me over the next while. Things are slowly coming back to normal, uh, which is good, which is good. Uh, so, uh, it is my absolute uh, joy to introduce our Easter series, and it is called The Resurrection Paradox, or should I say, The Resurrection Paradox. Coming soon to a streaming service near you. No, it's just a John Ash sermon series title. All right. Okay. So uh, John and I talked at length about this, and we were. I was like, John, you know, this it sounds like a dodgy B movie. Like, what, what, what are we actually get, trying to get across here? And as we talked about it this week, I'm going to sum everything that we're going to do over the next you know, three or four weeks. I'm going to sum it up in a sentence. Okay. You can write the sentence down, you can blog it, you can tweet it, you can do whatever you like with it, you can forget it. But this sentence basically sums up the whole series. All right? For there to be a resurrection, first, something has to die. All right? I'm just going to let that sit for a second. For there to be a resurrection, first, something has to die. Okay? You see, this is the resurrection paradox. There's a time to live, and there's a time to die. That's the natural order. That's the creation order. We have a time where we're full of life, and we have a time where, sadly, all of us will pass away. However, in the kingdom of God, we get this supernatural order of resurrection. Now, this is true about any type of resurrection you can think of, whether it be physical, bodily resurrection, someone being raised from the dead, 
whether it be a spiritual resurrection, somebody getting saved and going from death into life, or whether it's a resurrection of hopes and dreams. And I don't know about you, but there's many dreams and hopes and plans that I've had over the year that have died. I want to challenge us this morning that some of those things God may wish to resurrect. All right? This is the thing about resurrection, though. It is supernatural. You can't do it. I can't do it. Only Jesus can do it. Only Jesus can do it. So, we're a couple of minutes in. I've now two paths in front of me. I have a path of preaching you something offensive and harsh from the Bible. Or I have a path of teaching you and preaching you something that's really feel good, uh, puts a smile on your face, and tickles your ears. So I know which way I'm going. Um, but just prepare yourself that some of the things that I might actually say this morning, some of the things I might provoke you with, you might not like very much. You might get offended at me. That's pretty much my role in the body of Christ. Okay, I'm very good at offending people. Never do it like to like on purpose, but, well, sometimes I do. Um, but we're going to take a look at this idea of resurrection. You see, there's not a Christian in this room right now who wouldn't say, absolutely, I believe in the resurrection. I believe that Jesus Christ was crucified, he was dead, he was buried. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. Okay, everybody in this room, I'm assuming if you're a believer this morning, you can assent to that. That's a belief that you can get on board with. Okay, now there are some very liberal Christians who, well, you know, is it a, was it a physical bodily resurrection? Did uh, Jesus, was it just a spiritual thing? Was it just a metaphor? And honestly, see if that's where you are, you haven't got any idea of the gospel. Okay, in this church, we believe that Jesus physically rose from the dead. Anybody teaches you anything else? Run away. Run very quickly in the opposite direction. So we believe absolutely in the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus. If you don't believe that, I'm not really sure you can call yourself a Christian. Okay? It's like, it is like 101, fundamental, Jesus rose from the dead. We believe in that. That's how we access everything in the kingdom. Now, how did Jesus rise from the dead? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, brought Jesus back to life. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, here's the thing. This is where it starts to get a bit offensive. That same Holy Spirit lives in you. That resurrection power, that life of Jesus lives inside you. If you're a believer this morning and you've accepted Jesus in your heart, you don't get like one week Jesus-sized piece of the Trinity. You get the whole thing. You have the Holy Spirit mysteriously living inside of you. And I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you saw anything close to a resurrection? Somebody want to open the window there? It's getting a bit warm. Okay. Let's bring it down a notch. Okay, let's bring it down a notch. The resurrection thing, it's a bit scary, okay? When was the last time you saw anything that you could class as supernatural? Okay, let's bring that down a notch. When was the last time you allowed God to do something in your life that was beyond your ability? 
In the West, we have a problem. We have a, we have a problem in the West that they do not have in Africa, that they do not have in uh, sort of places that are sort of third world countries do not have this problem. If I want to do something, I go to my phone, I find out a website, I get that information, I throw money at it and I make it happen. I can do pretty much everything in my life in my own strength, in my own ability, in my own power, as can you. We're not living a life where we're right up to the edge of what we can do and the next bit only God can do. Okay. So I want to ask you, do you really believe that that God who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Because if you do, we need as a church to start living differently. You see, we need to start believing that that creative power, that resurrection power that's living inside of us is ready to burst out and to see healings and miracles and signs and wonders and people come to salvation. We should be expecting to live in that supernatural realm all the time. But we're not. So the question has to be asked, do we really grasp that Jesus who raised from the dead, that power is inside us? Because if we did, you would not be able to contain it in this building. We would see something remarkable happening. And that's where we're going. That's actually what we believe as a church. Okay. Right, I'm going to get my teacher hat back on. And we're going to go and we'll take a look at some resurrection in Scripture. Where we're going today there is a little bit of a response at the end of this, okay? There is a response. So I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. I'm not trying to make anybody feel inadequate. But when I look at the power that we should be walking in and the power that we are walking in, there is a differential. And I want us to be living in that place where the Holy Spirit's breaking out. So I am here to provoke us this morning. So we're gonna take a look. I'm not, I'm not gonna look at the resurrection of Jesus. I have to touch on it a bit because... You're talking about the resurrection, you can't not. I'm not going to get into the theology of the resurrection of the dead and kind of do a survey of that through scripture, but I am going to look at some resurrections in the Bible. Now, I'm just going to look in the Old Testament. So we're going to go to 1 Kings 17. So if you've got your Bible, you can vaguely turn there. I'm looking in the ESV, which is probably my favorite translation. Remember, all Bibles that we read are translations. So some of them are accurate. Some of them are less accurate. All Bibles are good. Okay, um, so can I also encourage us, and I do see some people out with their physical Bibles. I love my phone. My phone goes everywhere with me. My phone does everything with me. And I love my YouVersion Bible app. I, I actually use it every day. As soon as I get into the car, uh, driving to work, the first thing I do in the morning is I go to my Bible plan and I hit play and I, I use it every day. But there's something about a physical Bible. There's something about the written word of God on the page that you can highlight, you can add notes to, just even the smell of it. There's something about a physical Bible, all right? Now, this is my new Bible, okay? My old Bible fell apart, which is a good sign. So this is my new Bible, and it takes a while to bed into a new Bible because all your notes and all your highlightings and all your uh, little cards and things that you put in and over, it takes a while to get that all changed across. But I just want to encourage you, bring your Bible to church, there's something like people go, oh, no, I just saw my phone, it's fine. Bring your Bible to church. There's something about bringing your Bible to church and actually also holding account what's said here to Scripture. Have your Bible, love your Bible, read your Bible. 
Okay, so we're going to take a look at, I'm not going to take a look at all three incidences in the Old Testament, but I'll tell you what they are. Okay, there's one involving Elijah, which we're going to look at today. There's also two of, uh, involving, uh, 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 try that again. Uh, <laughs> there's one involving Elijah, and there's two involving Elisha, okay? Not Elisha, 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 there we go. I can't speak this morning, Okay. So the, the two involving Elisha are actually quite interesting. One, uh, he prays for somebody to get raised from the dead. The second one, well, it kind of involves him, it kind of doesn't involve him, where they put somebody into a tomb and uh, this dead person's body touches Elisha's bones and they get raised from the dead. It's a pretty interesting story. You can go check it out. But that's not what we're looking at today. We're going to look at 1 Kings 17. So you can go there with me. I'm going to put on a little bit of context because we're not going to read all of the passage. So... The bit that we're reading comes just after Elijah has walked up to the king, to King Ahab, and basically given him a, a really quite harsh prophecy saying, there's not going to be any rain, there's not going to be any dew until I say so. Okay? Now, picture yourself as the king, and a prophet comes up to you and says, uh-uh, there's not going to be any rain. There's not going to be. You're automatically thinking that means there's going to be a drought. There's going to be a famine. This guy needs to tell me that he, he needs to prophesy rain right now. But what does God do? God says, Elijah, clear off, get out of there quickly, because obviously he has told the king there's going to be really bad times, and it's not going to rain until I say so. So he, had, he actually got out of it. He goes off into the wilderness, and that's where we should. Uh, we find something very interesting happening with him here. He goes off, he sits by a tree and a brook, and God sends ravens with meat and bread each day to provide for him. Uh, and before I get into the passage, I, I want to just kind of unpick this idea a little bit, that sometimes when we do stuff, God actually draws us into a place where we need to go into wilderness, okay? Okay? Hear me, hear what I'm going to say. Don't assume what I'm saying. I'm dreadful at this. I'm an extrovert. I love people. I love meeting new people. I love talking to people. I love parties. All the introverts are going, no, no, not me. Don't like that. In fact, all the introverts are in a really bad season because all the introverts loved COVID because they were locked in their houses and they didn't have to go to work and they didn't, they could just, they could put on their, their Zoom and they could turn off their camera and they just loved it. And now all the introverts are very unhappy because they've got to go back to work. And they're going, please, please, please let me work from home. Okay, so there's a lot of unhappy introverts out there in the world. Can I say that God's bringing you all, if you're an introvert, into a season of challenge? We need each other. You need people, okay? Extroverts, sometimes you don't need people. Sometimes we need to be away from people and recharge and get our brains back into order. And I say this as an extrovert who's been in a season of a little bit more isolation. I need that. We all need those times. So we need connection. So Elijah here has gone off to a season of isolation, but what do we notice? God provided. God provided for him in the season of isolation. When we're in a season of isolation, God provides. However, at the end of that season, the brook dried up. You see, when you're in a period of like withdrawing yourself and sustenance and provision dries up, it's time to go seeking connection again. Some of us coming out of COVID, and I'm actually speaking to you, internet land, okay? 
All the people watching at home, all the people who watch this this week, you need to get back into connection. You actually, some of you need to come back in here to church. Just a thought. So, we pick this up just as God has prophesied and spoken to Elijah and told him, you need to go and find this widow who's going to provide for you. So, we're going to pick this up in verse 8, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. Here's what it says. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And she called, and he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And I'm going to pause there. Man, listen to me a minute. Okay. If it's anything like my house, sitting watching the football, sitting watching the rugby. Hey, Jill, did you bring me a glass of water? It's unlikely to happen. <laughs> if by, mirac by miraculous chance, and she's not here, so it's okay, she's upstairs. She might be watching, if I can see the glare. Um, if by miraculous chance, she is bringing the water, and I say, oh, by the way, you wouldn't go and bring us a bag of crisps there as well. I can guarantee you where that water's going, and it's not in my hand, <laughs> all right? So, man, that's not that. No, no, okay, not good. This is the first time he's met this woman. We can take from this that Elijah probably hasn't got a lot of social airs and graces. That's not how we normally introduce ourselves to people, okay? So, we'll continue on. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I might go and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Somebody nudge your neighbor and say, this is an encouraging message. <laughs> I'll tell you doing it. That's lovely. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. It's not encouraging right now, but it, 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 it's going to get there. Okay. <laughs> uh, we might eat, eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you've said, but first make me a little cake and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day uh, that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And as she and he and her household ate for many days, the jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to Elijah. Okay, so we have a miracle here. We have a bona fide miracle happening in this story that comes directly from the prophetic word of the Lord and from obedience. Okay, God speaks, this woman obeys, it releases a miracle. Okay, a couple of things I want us to notice here. This widow was spent. She was done. For all intents and purposes, this woman is dead. She's ready to embrace death at this stage. Now remember, for a resurrection to occur, first something has to die. Now I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life, but if you're coming here and you are at desperation, you cannot go any further, I wants you to know that resurrection's coming. 
Whatever state your life is in, it is not far enough away. It is not broken so much that our God cannot resurrect it. See, for resurrection to occur, first something has to die. Second thing I want you to notice here is that even in her desperation, even in her brokenness, even in her despondency, she responds to and obeys the word of God. So it doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter how close you think you are to the end. If you respond to the word of God, it's going to change your life. See, it's our obedience, it's our response that releases the miraculous. You see, I wonder how many times we've got ourselves to the place of being obedient, but missing the fact that God's actually providing for the obedience. See, there's provision in the obedience. There was provision in the wilderness, there was provision in connection, but there's provision in obedience. You right here now are sitting in our jar of flour and our jug of oil. This building... God prophetically spoke to us about getting a building, about stepping out and having a home as a church. We had a tiny amount of flour. We had a tiny amount of oil. We just had enough for ourselves and to cover ourselves and nothing more. We did not have enough to do this. But we stepped out and we obeyed God. And here we are. Now again, it's miraculous provision, but it's provision that came through people came through you, came through me, came through lots of people sacrificing and giving, but the obedience to the call released that resource. Sometimes you have to step out in faith and see that God calls you to it, he is going to resource it. But it doesn't give us the kind of carte blanche to go, well, we're going to step out and do something, and we're not going to worry about how. No, you actually do have to do things to make stuff happen. When God speaks, we go out and we, do, we partner with God to make that happen. And yes, he releases miraculous provision, and yes, money comes and all. But it comes through people. Remember that. Money always comes through people. It never comes through, it doesn't come by magic, all right? We are here because of the sacrifice and the determination and the blessing that God gave us in this church. When God speaks, we need to act with confidence that it's going to come to pass. That's the, other, the last thing I want you to notice about this part of the passage. When Elijah arrived, and I know I was kind of making fun of him a wee bit there, but when Elijah arrived at that stage, he spoke to that woman as if she knew exactly what God had spoken to him. He treated her as if the prophetic word that God had spoken was the absolute truth and no one would ever question it. He spoke to her and said, yeah, go get me water, go get me provision, because that's what God has spoken to me. See, sometimes we need to have a little bit more boldness when God's spoken to us. And see, we're so nice. We're so nice in this part of the world. It's this Northern Irish thing where if God speaks to you about something, you go, do you know that the Lord still speaks today? And you know, sometimes God gives me a wee picture. And the wee picture, would, would, you, be, would you be up? Would you be willing for me to pray for you? No, look at, what Elijah, look at what the prophet does. He just goes up and speaks as if it is. Because when God speaks, it's the truth. 
Now, I'm not telling you to go off and be the crazy in the center of the town, okay? That's not what I'm saying. You know, there's a certain amount where you're educating people and teaching people and bringing people on. I'm not, I'm not against that. But what I'm saying is if there's a prophetic word and God has spoken to you about something, you have to live in the reality of it. You don't namby-pamby around with it. When God's spoken, that's what it is. Everything else shapes itself around it. God's word is truth. Everything else can just go away. Okay? Right. So we're going to pick up the next bit of the story here. Uh, this is verse 17. We're going, to read, uh, we're going to read on from verse 17. It says this. After, the son, uh, after this, the son of the woman, so after this kind of miraculous oil and flour not running out has happened, after this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath in him. And he said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to bring uh, my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him to the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again and again. And he, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Hmm. Whew, come on. God's doing something on this scripture. The Holy Spirit is all over this right now. And that sensation, that thing that you feel in the room is the brooding of the Holy Spirit. And we're just gonna respond to that. Okay. You see, if you were to track out this woman's story that we've read so far today in a spike graph, it would go something like this. Tragedy, despair, depression, hope, miraculous release and joy, and depression, depths of despair, and miraculous hope again, okay? If we're tracking this story, we can see this woman was given unto death. God releases a miracle. She's like, this is amazing. And then, bang, she gets hit with reality. Now, if you are new to this Christian thing, if this is like, uh, you're early on in your faith journey, it's not always gonna be the mountaintop. Sometimes reality bites back and sometimes reality hits us hard. See, here's the thing. I used to be dictated to by my external circumstances. If things were good, I was happy, I was in a good spiritual place, life was good. If things weren't good, when I was hitting road bumps and difficulties and challenges, my emotions weren't good, my spiritual life wasn't good. See, that's not how we're supposed to live as believers. Now, I'm not here to tell you this morning that you live in denial of your situation. When things hit you hard, you actually have to look at them head on and deal with them. You don't ignore your situations and you don't just go, oh, I am just blessed beyond anything that could possibly hurt me because it's nonsense, okay? It's nonsense. There's stuff that hap happens to us, but 
in our internal world, we should have a confidence to be able to declare, just like the hymn writer, it is well with my soul. That steadiness, that spiritual security, dare I say that emotional security, shouldn't be massively impacted by the things that happen to us in this world. Now, I'm a human being here. I'm not preaching this at you and there's a reality to this. I know, like, when hard stuff hits, you need to take a minute. You need friends around you. You need support. You need a network. But most of all, you need to lean into God. You see, I'm here to tell you this morning that God is as much in the valley as he is in the mountaintop. God is as much in the, in the hard times, in the difficult times, in the lean times, in, in the rejection and in the hurt. He's as much in those times as he is in the mountaintop, in the everything's going well and the flying high. God is as much in the valley as he is in the mountaintop. And you see, if this is the first time you've been through a, 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 a slump or you, you've hit resistance as a believer, if this is the first time that that's happened, you may be tempted to go where the widow goes and go, God, why are you doing this? Why are you against me? Why have you allowed this to happen? But I want you to take it from me. I've been walking this journey of faith for a very long time. Life is gonna throw all sorts of things at you. You're gonna have successes. You're gonna have failures. You're gonna have good times. You're gonna have hard times. You're going to have times when you're treated well and you're going to have times where you've been treated unfairly and you've been downtrodden. But the goal is to remain consistent with the Lord. It is well with my soul. See, the next thing I want you to see here is Elijah's reaction. Disaster has struck. He doesn't go, well, I'll do the funeral. I'll say a few nice things. He was a nice boy. Only knew him for a couple of weeks. But uh, it doesn't go into that. He also doesn't go, well, you know, sometimes bad things happen in life. And it's, uh, it's just tough. And uh, some other nonsense sentiment. He goes, give me your son. Give me your son. God, Elijah just takes the situation away from the lady. And he doesn't go and just carry it himself. You notice what he does. He goes to the upper room. What does the upper room usually signify? It's a place of prayer. It's the secret place of the Lord. He takes the child to the upper room. He lies him on his bed. He doesn't carry the burden. He lies him on his bed. And he cries out to God. See, the thing is, as believers, we know that's what to do. When we have a situation in our lives that we cannot overcome where we need supernatural resurrection power in, where something in our life has died, we know we bring it before God. But here's the thing. We usually stop at the first time. Once. We cry out to God. Ah, nothing happened. Need to accept it. Move on. Sometimes if we're particularly full of faith, we might even get to the second time. God, would you just move in this situation? And then God didn't move and we just move on. Elijah goes a third time. How much madness does it take to go a third time? Three times he cried out to the Lord, bring life back into this child. Bring life back into this situation. 
Three times, not once, not twice, three times. He keeps going. Now, I know this pain. I know this pain. I'm going to speak personally here as we come towards a close. For a long time, Jill and I walked a journey without children for a long time. And we cried out to God. As we knew to do, we cried out to God. I, I would say we cried out hundreds of times, thousands of times over our journey. We didn't stop once, twice. We kept going. And we cried out and we said, God, give us a child naturally. The answer was no. Okay, God, give us a child through IVF. No. Okay, God, give us a child through adoption. Yeah, but you're going to have to wait. Okay, God, now, come on, give us, give us that hope now. Let us have our child now. No. No, 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 no. Until when? Until Jonah. And God said yes. And you see, the best thing I have learned over the past four or five years is that God is sovereign. My God is sovereign. And if that's Christianese to you, it simply means he's the ruler, he's the reigner, he's the decision maker. He says yes or he says no. Not me, not you. He's sovereign. I am thankful for every no that he gave us along the journey. Because none of them would have been the right thing. You see, here's the thing. It is so hard to hear no. We don't like hearing no. In my house, I hear it a thousand times a day. <laughs> no, no, no. Would you like to put your shoes on? No. Would you like to wear your socks? No. Would you like a drink? No. Constantly. That's his favorite word right now. Okay. We don't like hearing no. But he's sovereign. He gets to decide. You see, here's the thing. Elijah brought the child up and he cried out to God. And God went, no. He cried out to God again. God went, No. And he cried out to God again. And God went, yes. God could as easily have said no because he's God and he gets to decide and Elijah doesn't get to decide and his mom, her, the child's mom didn't get to decide. We don't get to decide. God gets to decide. See, the place we actually need to get to is acceptance. And this is the balance that you walk as a believer. There are times where we must persevere and we can't stop and we have to keep crying out in faith and we always have a responsibility to cry out to God, but we don't actually cause anything to happen. God is sovereign. He decides. We accept his yeses, but we gotta accept his noes. You see, I'm gonna turn the thing that I said at the start around a little bit. See, not all deaths lead to a resurrection. Some things actually have to die, and some things actually have to go. Sometimes we can keep persevering with something that God has said, let it go. And that's the balance we walk as believers. There are times to persevere, and there are times to surrender and accept. And might I say, what I have found on this journey is that if perseverance isn't working, perseverance isn't working, and I'm just wrecked and I'm done, I need to go into a season of surrender and acceptance. A surrender acceptance isn't working, 
I need to go back into a season of perseverance and going at it with God. And that has been my swing and journey over the last number of years. There are seasons to persevere. And sometimes those are the seasons that we see the most incredible breakthroughs in. But there are seasons to surrender and to accept. <sighs> Sorry. <clears throat> so here's where we're going to leave this. We're going to kind of bring this plane into land. And there is a response here this morning. I think there's three groups of people to respond. The first is for people who need a resurrection in their life. Maybe you have something that you were passionate about as a teenager, or you were passionate about a few years ago or a few months ago. And it just fell apart, it died. You had a hope and a dream, and it got snuffed out. And God didn't want that thing to get snuffed out. He wants to resurrect it. So there are dreams and hopes in this room that God wants to resurrect this morning. Second group of people, people who've been carrying something for such a long time and you actually need to surrender this morning. You need to drop it. You need to trust God. You see, here's the thing. When you give it over to God and when you surrender it, quite often he comes back to you with it. But you have to give it to him as if it's not coming back. You can't, hold, you can't give with this hand and hold on a little bit. That's what Jonah does with his teddy. Get, yes, daddy, you can have Nelly, but I'm going to hold on to the trunk. Okay, it doesn't work. It's not actually giving it over. And the third group of people are people who God wants to bring a spiritual resurrection to this morning. There are people in the room who, who, who you need to get saved. It's going to be as blunt as that. You need Jesus in your life. If you're, if you're here... And you can just feel this thing in the room and you're going, my goodness, there has been, uh, like, I, just, I need Jesus. Well, you need Jesus. <laughs> and we are going to have our prayer team, uh, or some prayer people here at the front. And if, I'm not going to give a specific call and say, you must come now and you must do this. If you're one of those three groups of people who need something resurrected, who need to let something die, or who need to come to Jesus this morning, there are some people who are going to be up here at the front of church this morning and they're going to come and pray with you. I'm going to bring the worship team back up. Stand with me. Jesus, I just thank you for a church where your resurrection power is just ready to burst into life. God, I thank you for a group of people who you have called to this time and to this place to see something released. And God, I just pray right now for all of those hopes and those dreams and those plans that died. And God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would inspire those things to be resurrected again. We can't do it, God. We can't cause it to happen. Only you can. So God, we say, would you resurrect those things right now in Jesus' name? God, to those people who have been carrying a burden for so long and have just been holding on to something and, and persevering and persevering long past when they should have persevered, God, I just pray, Lord, you would give faith and ability to drop it this morning, to drop that burden this morning, to let it go, to let it die. And God, I also pray right now that you would give the courage and the conviction anybody who needs to come to faith for the first time this morning to come and make that step up to the front of church this morning to meet you for the first time. In Jesus' name.
And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.